I just don't think we choose love. And that sounds so hippie. It's like we are conditioned that there's only one type of love. And if it doesn't work, then that's it. You can't have both. Mm -hmm. And I think, and like it's taken a long time for me to get to a place like this, but I don't think that's true. I think you can love multiple people, but you are romantically in love with someone. Like I just think, I don't, I don't know. I think you can transition a relationship from a romantic one into a beautiful friendship. It's like you share so much with this person and they know you in and out. And then all of a sudden you're like, all right, I'm going to wipe my hands clean of you and hate you. And And when really, I guess what I would say, we have been conditioned like that because it's easier. People think it's easier and initially it's easier. But then like, how long does that hate sit with you? gives you two choices when it throws everything at you. You can let it swallow you whole or you take those lemons. And as the old saying goes, you turn it into sweet, delicious lemonade. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Welcome to Lemonade. I'm your host, Elizabeth O'Neill, and I'll be sharing the incredible stories from inspiring people who've turned the hardest times in their life, their lemons into lemonade. Because let's be real, we all want to know how they did it, the lessons they learnt, and what life is like sipping limoncello on the other side. Let's get juicing. Ellie Lemons was among the first breed of Australia's health and fitness influencers, but her life as she knew it completely changed when she fell pregnant with her daughter. Then, not long after Rocky was born, found herself as a single mum at the age of just 23. However, instead of letting the breakdown of her relationship turn toxic, she used it as an opportunity to expand her perception of what defines a family, both Ali and her ex-partner embarking on a journey of collaborative co-parenting. Suddenly, Ali found a new purpose for her platform and she's been inspiring separated parents everywhere to follow her and her ex-partner's incredible lead when it comes to raising a child. In this free-flowing chat, we discuss how isolating it can feel in those early stages to have a new baby, how they co-parent, why love for an ex-partner can transition into a beautiful friendship, and the future she envisions for her family. You don't have to be separated or even a parent to get so much out of this chat. Ellie is a gem of insight. I hope you enjoy this one. Ellie Lemons, I feel like you're made to appear on my podcast. You did name it after me. <laughs> With a name like that, how could you not be on it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for coming all the way to my house. It really wasn't that far, but you're welcome. <laughs> I always think that people have to travel it's really far. It's just over the West Gate, which makes it seem far. Yeah, it does. But it's not. Now, I wanted to chat with you about a number of things, but firstly, I love to start with getting an idea of what my what the childhood was like for my guests. So, what was growing up like for you? Um, Gosh, probably like I'd say pretty white picket fancy. Like the dream. Yeah, two brothers, two younger brothers, mum and dad, um, lots of sport. We were really active. Dad came from America to play basketball, so we kind of grew up. They still joke now that they made the perfect basketball specimens and none of us wanted to uh, pursue it. Can I just say, Ellie is so tall when she got here. I always forget how tall she is. And when she got here... I looked down thinking, oh, she must have heels on. That's very, um, you know, how, how lux for a Wednesday morning. And no, she's in flats. I'm in flats. Yeah, I'm really tall. I'm nearly, I'm 5'11". Yeah. So pretty tall. Um, and then 
yeah, I mean, pretty average upbringing, I would say. Like nothing amazing, nothing terrible, but pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm still pretty close with my family. Um, very, I think what I will say, given my situation now with co-parenting and everything, very straighty 180. Mm-hmm. So very different. And obviously as you, when you grow up, oh, do you want me to let Maggie out? Okay, hang on. Just going to take a dog break. <laughs> um, yeah, very straighty 180. Does that mean just like a very good girl? No, I mean, sorry. I mean like, so my family was very mm. like, and any friends that I knew who had divorced parents, it was pretty full on. Like they didn't really talk to each other. There was wow. no like any of that. I'm relating this to co-parenting, which is probably what we're going to be talking most about today. But I would say, yeah, just very... Straight up, mum and dad were just very like, you know, work hard, mm-hmm. put some ice on it. Very like, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. You were always very fit and active at school, like you said as well. Like yeah, so you did a lot of fit. sport. Super active. Really lucky in that sense. Um, I think, yeah, I played all the sports. Like, you know, we had to pick two a term or something like that. Um, but like no musical ability no can't draw can't still on stick figures like rocky will be better than me soon i don't know because this is a pretty funny story so ellie puts up these pancakes she makes for rocky and they've got like these faces and they're so cute and i tried to copy it and you laughed that was pretty funny (laughs) they were really bad your only response was to laugh at my pancakes so when you're saying you have no artistic ability you must have some more slightly more than me create recipes and i can do kind of cool koalas or like bears or whatever they are. But like I did try to do a dinosaur and someone sent back, I sent it to someone and they were like, Ellie, that's a penis. Like, what are you doing? But it was meant to be a long neck dinosaur. So it just turned out really bad. And you're like, we're not eating this yeah, today, Rocky. <laughs> Put that to the side. <laughs> oh gosh. You always had a passion for health and nutrition. Yes. I grew up really healthy. Mum was really healthy. Um, I was really lucky in that sense. And then as I got older, I kind of realized that, well, yes, I loved learning about it and doing nutrition at school and fitness and all that. And I actually played basketball at quite a high level rep for a while. And then when I stopped that, I was like, oh, I have to do my own fitness now. And then that was like a bit of a weird, I think I was like 18. And so then I got my personal training thing while doing my bachelor of health science so psychology and nutrition so I loved those and I kind of wanted to be a child psychologist and then I realized that I would want to probably steal all the children and I couldn't do that like that would be too emotionally uh taxing on me the things you'd see and I just yeah um and so then I kind of went down to the nutrition role I guess and the weirdest thing for me was like because I'd grown up so healthy and so around that kind of stuff was that people didn't know what I knew, but I didn't think it was knowledge I had that was more than anyone else, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I was like, everyone knows this. Like, don't eat that. Like, that's not great for you. But then you kind of realize and you get to this point, you realize that not everyone knows that. And it's actually just you can help them, I guess. And so I did that for a bit. And then I realized how much food and emotions are attached and often people don't need a nutritionist they need a psychologist Mm -hmm. or a proper they need like to sort out their relationship with food which as a nutritionist like you're not equipped to do you can kind of take healthy people and get them healthier but if someone's got deep rooted 
issues and they're relying on food, that's not something that like you can do. And does that, and are you referring to either end of the spectrum, overeating or undereating? All of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I think I realized that pretty quickly because I would, you know, get someone to do something and they would, they would, um, they would do it for like a week and they'd feel amazing. And then they just go back to their old habits. And I was like, I don't understand. And I was so young then I didn't understand habits and humans. And like, I didn't have a great concept of that. So I would just be like, well, I don't understand. Like I told you what to do do it like <laughs> I look great yeah. <laughs> but like just do it like you had a good week why are you why are you not doing that now and now I realize there's just so much to us like yep. and so much more than just like if everyone did something that everyone told them to do it would be, the world would be a very different place like you just we just don't we don't act that way yeah. we don't yeah, there's so much more to it, as you were saying. So you were doing at school health science and a bit of psychology, though, and nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then very quickly, you must have been pretty young. You, well, I would say you were in the first kind of guard of Fitspo health influencers yeah. on Instagram. I was a little, little model influencer. So I modelled as well. It started when I was 15. Um, Mum and dad were pretty like, you know, if you – we see any changes in your health or your fitness or your exercise, your diet, anything like you're out and you needed to do a degree while you do it. So I was pretty lucky in that. Like I'm very thankful for that. Um, I'm pretty lucky because I am a beanstalk. So I can't imagine being in that industry and not having the genetics that I have, Mm. which sounds really kind of shallow, but I can't imagine chasing a body weight all the time. I just, that it's like, you know, I've seen girls go through it and it's just awful. What it must do to their mental health. Yes, yeah. totally. And even now since having a daughter, like I've really had to reassess do I want to contribute to that view of women? And, and that idea of beauty. That idea of beauty that is so warped and so old school now. Like I think, and I think society's doing a good job in like curves and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's funny because like you do want everything you don't have, like mm. I would kill for some boobs. Like, you know, when I was breastfeeding, I was like, this is amazing. I am like a porn star. Like I have the best boobs ever. And I would just like, you know, I'd go out for a night and I'd just be like, I'll just skip a feed so that they're extra big. And then by the end of the night, you're like squeezing them out in the toilet. Because you have to, anyway. anyway. I bought one of those hand ones and I used to take that out. And none of my friends, yes, and none of my friends have children. So I'd have to be like, would you mind? Like, I've just got to go in here and like pump. And they're just like, what? Yeah. (laughs) It was so weird to them. Um, So, yeah, so you're doing modeling. And then, yeah, yeah, as I said, you would, I I would say among, as Instagram was booming, you were one of the first to be doing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was, yeah, it had just kind of come along and I'd kind of jumped on the bandwagon and I'd been to LA and New York and um, so I was slowly building up and I was doing really well. I had my personal training business running off that, like boot camps in the park, mm-hmm. um, which was really awesome. I loved helping people and loved running that. Um, I was doing nutrition consulting and then I was modeling during the day. So I was doing like I was literally living the life. And you were putting up a lot of posts at that time, I'm sure, about the things yeah. you eat, you know, healthy yes, things to healthy- eat. Yeah, a lot of – because that's kind of what I did and still kind of do is I take unhealthy things and then I make recipes that make them healthier. Did that feel like at that time a purpose of yours? You're like everything kind of makes sense. Everything kind of is feels very connected. Um, I think so. I think I've kind of been one of those people 
who has never felt overly content though Mm -hmm. at any point until probably now and I started my teaching degree and I was like yes this is where I'm meant to be and I always like when I was doing fitness and I always thought I would end up with children I wanted to do like you know gecko kids was around or like there were kids things and I was like yes because I always I always nannied I always loved children I just so I always thought that would be where I ended up but yeah I was doing yeah I was pretty like you know helping people um Instagram can be as much as it's criticized as well I think back then like there weren't that many people on it so it was such a it was a voice, I guess, that a lot of people didn't have to be able to influence in a positive way. And I was really positive. Like <laughs> I look back now and I'm like, probably too positive because now if you look at my page, it's very realistic. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, yeah, this is shit, but it's also cool, but it's crap. Like, and back and forth, whether then I was just like, just smile, life's great. And I'm like, because I was so just that. I mean, I was very positive and happy, but I was just so not, I was just so like surface level surface level yeah and in myself as well like I just hadn't didn't have the experience or the tools or the emotional intelligence to know that like I was never really struggling with mental health or anything but I was definitely just like skimming over the top of things like Mm -hmm. oh it's Mm -hmm. fine like everything's great why wouldn't I be happy um and then yeah I had a baby yeah I was just about to say was the turning point then at 22 I think 23 23, finding out you were pregnant with your partner at the time yes and we hadn't been together for very long so it was a bit of a surprise um and yeah I get I mean that probably changed my whole life as I knew it but I didn't realize that um and definitely for the better but you don't realize that (laughs) what's running through your mind when you found out that you were pregnant Um, I just think like, you never think it's going to happen to you. (laughs) You just don't think it's going to happen to you. Like, you know, you hear about people and like, you're like, oh yeah. And whenever you're having sex, there's always a risk. And I knew that, but I'd never been able to fathom. You don't know, like you don't get it. Even now, like people like, yeah, have a baby. It's so cute. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, this is for life. Like you don't understand that it's for life until you're holding it. And you're like, they throw it on you and you're like, holy shit. Like this is for life. I feel like you're about to bust out into a Mean Girls. (laughs) If you have sex, you're going to get chlamydia and die. (laughs) No, and like, I love being a mum. You know that. Like, I love it. It's just it's the best but nothing can prepare you I don't know and I mean I wasn't prepared I was 23 I was I didn't see it but now I look back and I'm like Ellie you were at the peak of everything like what were you doing why were you not traveling around the world and like Mm -hmm. doing all this stuff but the only reason I think that is because now I can't do that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's like that but at the time I was like yeah Oh, baby. It'll be, be cool. cute. <laughs> How cool is that? Um, so, yeah, that's probably, I mean, you know, you go through the things. Like, I had to tell my family and, you know, um, yeah, it was, yeah. What was their reaction like? <laughs> when I called, I called my mum was driving to her house and I was crying. I was like, I'm pregnant. And all I hear is dad in the background going, oh, shit. <laughs> 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 it wasn't funny at the time, I imagine. It wasn't funny at the time, but it's funny now because, like, he's probably the most obsessed of anyone with Rocky. Like, every day it's like, how did Rocky go at school today? Like, is she in bed yet? I'm like, whoa. And it's just so funny because now I look back and 
my pregnancy with Ollie was unplanned and it was mostly my dad never never would ever tell you what to do but I think he was like to mum oh god does she yeah. realize what this actually means and now he's just like besotted yeah. yeah so yeah it's true and then what was pregnancy like for you um, I mean, I was pretty lucky overall, but like morning sickness, that mm. stuff sucks. Like, and you've posted a little bit about though how um you didn't like to show up, like you know you you post such beautiful photos on Instagram, but there weren't many photos of you pregnant. You didn't feel comfortable no, sharing too I much. I just kind of like, I guess it's it's a weird thing when you find out you're pregnant and then you wrap your head around it and then you tell people and their faces are like, oh are we happy or are we not? And that's like, I think started and like that, sure. Like if a friend came to me now, I would probably be like, well, like, what do you want me to do? But I remember the first person who said congratulations to me was a single mum who had a baby at 19 from my high school. And I reached out to her and I was like, help, like this is, and she was like, congratulations first off. Like that was the first thing she said. And that was the first person that had been like that. And I think somewhere along the line that like started a bit of a shame thing and I was like oh like I don't know but over time like pregnancy I know I look back now and I'm like oh I was such a pregnancy unicorn but at the time you feel bloated and huge and like Mm. you it's weird like you've got this like thing moving in you and it's like a little alien but it's a baby um (laughs) (laughs) that shame that yeah bringing up that point of shame is really really interesting but do you think it was because of your age and because you hadn't been with charlie very long totally like completely and then over time everyone started to get excited and stuff so it probably went a little bit less but also for a social media thing I think I just well after Rocky was born I took a big break I like suspended my account for like eight months Mm. while I just wrapped my head around everything and so I think I just and I always have been like we're still quite private even though although vulnerable about myself and what I go through we still keep things quite Mm -hmm. private well I mean we don't put a face on and stuff like that so I think it was just you know a bit of adapting for me Mm -hmm. like oh I was modeling and living this life and now I'm doing pregnancy modeling and I look like I'm 16 and pregnant like because I have such a baby face (laughs) because most of pregnancy my best friend Tara she's a model and um she's my or she's 28 29 or 29 and she gets books for a lot of mum things but she looks that age (laughs) I know I know the other day I got asked when I went into a pub they asked me for my ID and then they laughed at me and I was like why you laugh he's like you don't look 27 and I was like Like, I've got a baby and I got asked for a bottle not long ago I was like thanks that is such a good thing like one day you're gonna look at 18 no but the 16 and pregnant thing is very funny for modeling like I really enjoyed that um and then how did it feel you have discussed that early motherhood was challenging for you finding yourself all of a sudden thrust into this new role what was that like can you talk us through it okay well yes (laughs) um rocky was a shocking sleeper from day dot Mm. that shit will kill you and i've spoken about that a lot so i won't bore you with it but till she was about two shocking sleeper and sleep deprivation is the worst Mm. thing and the most underrated thing Everyone's like, oh, you're a new mum. You're just tired. That's how it is. No. Like, your little cat's like, I hear you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I sleep all day. <laughs> I get it. Um, 
And so that was hard, but also I just don't think I was prepared. Like, and I don't think you can be prepared, but also I was so young. None of my friends had kids. I had nannied, so I thought, yeah, I used to nanny four kids at once. Are we fine? And then it's your own and it's that relentlessness of, and the early days, you have no idea what you're doing. Your boobs hurt. They're huge. Like you've got people at your house who come and see your baby for like, an hour and then never see you again. It's like, isn't that the most random thing? So true. Everyone wants to smell your newborn's head and they just piss off for the rest of your life. I'm like, man, like... And never see you ever and get an Insta photo. (laughs) Seriously. That is so true. There are so many people that came here in Ollie's first few months. I never saw here ever again. It's a thing. It's so bizarre. Wow. So now when people have babies and everyone's like, you want to go see it? I'm like, I'm not going to go to that person without their baby so I'm probably not going to intrude on them like mm. having a baby and like I just think that transition into motherhood I didn't realize it was a transition I just thought I'm just gonna be a mum. it's gonna be fine I'm just gonna you know go get my coffee every day and be sweet and she'll sleep seven till seven and she'll eat whatever I want and mm. that rash on her body won't exist like yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. um so I think yeah, but I think that's a universal thing. I think you can be the most prepared human ever and you're still going to be sitting in the newborn days being like, what have I done? Like, this is my life now. And you don't see an out. And I think that's important. And I think that's why people say, oh, second and third, it's easier because you know it ends. But when it's your first, you're so stuck in that time that it's so hard to see that we would be sitting here with our kids at daycare, free from them yeah. for a few hours, like – you don't see that. You Do don't you- see absolutely that that'll ever be possible yes, in amongst the especially if you're not sleeping. So how bad was it? Oh, man. I reckon like maybe every 90 minutes for the first year. Are you serious? So and so, yeah, I mean, it was pretty bad, but. I can live on no sleep now. So, so <laughs> who's the real winner? Human. <laughs> what does that do to your mental health oh, for that first I year? Okay, well, and taken into that, knowing that I was in a relationship that was not probably the relationship for us, and we both knew that. So we knew that it would end, and we weren't sure when. So knowing that as well, I think, could is hard because you're in something and you're like, you're dealing with that as well as a newborn. So you're navigating your, both of us have become parents for the first time. We're navigating that. We're navigating our relationship with our daughter and then we're navigating a relationship with ourselves and each other that is already like, you know, Ellie Wong on Netflix, if you haven't watched it, Baby Cobra, you should watch it my God, you'll laugh. She's like, you just have a baby throw a grenade into the marriage. That's essentially what you're doing. So you can like throwing a baby into a relationship that doesn't have a solid foundation and already kind of has an endpoint, mm. like that's pretty full on. So that was probably, I think, the toughest part was that nothing was necessarily stable and nothing was forever. Mm. So it wasn't like, okay, well, this is going to be my house forever or this is going to be my relationship and we're just going to work and navigate through this. Yes, to an, to like in some ways where it's still like, you know, we live together now. So, but so it is forever and it's forever, but it's a forever in a different way. And forever that you said yourself, you grew up in a white picket fence white house. house. Yes, that's yeah. what I meant by one, what did I say? Straighty 180. Like very like mum, dad, dad goes Nuclear off and works, mum yeah. home. Mum then became like was a teacher. So she taught while we were around, but she was still the main carer and dad did the long hours. So it was just very 
kind of like the classic cliche yeah, of a family classic family so then for me i'm also have a newborn and up to that and then i'm dealing with the fact that i know this is going to end but when and how and how what's it going to look like and you know charlie was pushing well we're going to be friends like we're going to make it work and i'm in that state of like survival and no sleep and i'm like no 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 yeah. we're going to have set days and it's going to be different and it's not going to be this happy families because I was so angry like in you know and I think you and I both know resentment kills everything mm-hmm. like resentment is like mm. the worst toxic toxic that's the perfect word I don't like to use the word toxic for a lot of things but resentment mm. is so toxic it festers it festers and yeah. it just builds up until you just explode and mm. then it's just a disaster but so yeah then and the sleep deprivation like I wouldn't really know what was a real emotion and what wasn't because I was so tired and like there were nights when Charlie was like go to bed like you need to go to bed like I'll do tonight just go to bed and I would just be crying and I couldn't sleep and he's like Ellie like you're being not in a mean way he was being loving but like you're being crazy because you haven't had sleep so you need to go and sleep but then because I was so tired you're actually crazy you're like I'm like, no, you. it's fine. I'll do it. He's like, go to bed. I'll bring her in when she needs a feed. Like, just go and sleep. And, like, you just – everything is distorted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like a form of torture, right? Um, it, it absolutely yeah, is. Like, yeah. Don't yeah. let them sleep. And then uh, throw that in the mix, the possibility, as you are saying, you knew the relationship had an end point of becoming a single mom, which is probably just not something that I know for me – never picked that was no one's end goal is ever I can't no one says as a teenager when you're picturing your family one day I can't wait to be a single mum no one no Mm. no that's not and that was not like I was more of the thing well we'll just work it out like it'll be fine but and now looking back I'm like oh my god so naive like just we'll just work it out we'll just band-aid it together for the kid Mm. like no no that doesn't and like yeah I can't I actually can't even, I don't think one of us would probably like, yeah, I don't know if we tried to do that, it just wouldn't have worked. Mm. But I think I'm also really lucky in the sense that Charlie really wanted to be friends and drove that. And so I then followed suit and now we get mm-hmm. to be where we are now, mm-hmm. which is awesome. But like the transition, <laughs> was it? oh, well, it's never like any relationship without a child is hard like just even that you know let alone chuck a child in there and she was only like I think seven months like that's little and that's still really demanding on both parents so like yeah how did it feel to suddenly feel like suddenly you become a single mum? I don't I had a lot of support because I was the only one in my friendship group with a child and my family, like I've got two younger brothers and so they're nowhere near having children. Um, and yeah, I actually think that actually was probably the best I had felt when we separated, which I mean, after the initial bit and I would say for him too, because that weight of the waiting and the wondering when and the knowing that there's going to be an end point but not knowing when and then I remember sitting in my apartment one day and just like oh my god it's just me like it's Mm. just this is better like this is so much nicer I don't have to like that's just done like I don't have to act like something yes I don't have to act like everything's okay and like and we were like 
and you know mum would say to me I don't understand this like because we were still holding hands in the car up until like the day like because we still had so much love for each other but it was that love that it's like this is not healthy but it doesn't mean I love you any less like I just don't love you like that and I think that's why we've been able to get where we are now that's incredible incredibly mature at 23 and not and not having that example you know you had that white picket you weren't it's not like oh yes I was you know raised by this powerful single mum I knew what it could be like you didn't know what it could have been like could have been terrible but (laughs) and then how did it feel when you were 23 and you're breastfeeding and you're not sleeping and all your friends are out at parties and dating that's so isolating that like and I think any new mum and like especially being young and I nearly did a post on it actually the other day like and I did do a post the other night about just I've learned that like I thought I would have a child and she would fulfill everything I thought I'm going to be I'm just going to slip into my mum clothes and I'm going to slip into that mum lifestyle and I'm not going to want to go out anymore because I never saw my parents go out and like if they did you know that's so cute they had their friends come over and babysit us like we didn't have a proper babysitter like it was very like old school and so now I'm like I then when I started being like no I still want to go out and party I still want to go get drunk with my friends every now and then I still want to you know do that kind of stuff you're like oh, like this is not the mum that I thought I would be. And I think that in flipping that and going, okay, this is the parent I thought I'd be. I thought I would be happy in a beautiful marriage with three little children running around barefoot pregnant in the kitchen. Like that was my, as like Andy, whatever. But like that was my vision that I would be so fulfilled by having children because that's what my mum was like. And so, and then I realized, no, like I don't want to, and I have nothing but respect for mums. But I was like, I can't be a stay-at-home mum. I need to study. I need to use my brain in – I need to learn. Like, and I've always had such a want to learn and to do all that stuff. I love psych and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, I need to do something else. I can't stay home. I'm going insane. This is not – and that's also kind of like a heart. It's that fantasy Mm -hmm. that we were talking about just before, not on the podcast. But it's that that you have to let go of that idea – and go, okay, well, this is the new idea. Was there any shame or guilt attached with not being the mum that you wanted to be? I think so. I don't know if shame, maybe shame put on by myself. Mm, I don't think anyone yeah. else, like every other No, mother, by yourself. Yeah, every mm. other mother would, like, agree with me. Mm. But you don't know that at the time. Um, I think, I don't know if guilt, maybe guilt, because I was like, I don't want to necessarily be home. Like, I need breaks. Like, And I had more breaks than most mums because she would go to her dad's so I was lucky in that sense um but yeah definitely like that's a hard pill to swallow like when you have this idea of what's going to happen in your mind and then you like it's not like external things don't work out because yeah there was that but then it's like I am not (laughs) the parent that I thought I would be and that's a weird thing to tackle I guess and getting your head around it and being okay with that eventually too yeah I just yeah yeah but I mean I think my Instagram has I hate saying that but I feel like it's helped in that way because every time I would write about something that I was experiencing and other mums would be like oh my god thank you so much like that is what I have realized and that has helped and then I'm like okay it's not just me so as much as I'm making other people feel like it's not just them they're making it feel like they're making me feel like it's not just me. Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of 
Absolutely. It's all about making people feel like they're not alone. They're not alone. Totally. And that's the thing. Like everyone would say the first year of motherhood is like isolating. Like you're by yourself at home with a tiny person that doesn't talk, throws all your food everywhere. Like, and every day is the same. So much groundhog day. Like, and even now when I'm on uni break, which I'm just coming off now every day, Mm -hmm. like, all the time the same thing what are we going to do today what park are we going to go to today what dinner are we going to do today and it's just so like relentless and just the same Mm. and which is beautiful in a way and I'm sure I'll look back and be like oh these days were the best days we just got to do whatever we wanted but like in the moment it's like oh my gosh and I think it's really important for mums to acknowledge that not every day is like woohoo rainbows and sunshine we're going to the park again like sometimes you're like oh I just want to do this or do get this done yeah totally and like yeah did it make you did this whole experience make you grow up a lot quicker than you thought you would have I think so and like it just I mean working navigating through a breakup through the first year of motherhood all in one I think you're the same like that what did we call it before surface level gone like you're like ripping yourself open you're like why is this annoying me why like you know you're taking your whole idea of yourself and then emotionally you have to like not put yourself back together because you're already together but you just have to discover and work out because if you want to work and especially with co-parenting and you would know this mm-hmm. you have to like learn you have to equip yourself with tools to deal with the emotion that comes with that Mm. and the sacrifice and the the, and the relentlessness of it Mm. of all of it and the acknowledgement as well i know you and charlie have a wonderful relationship but this person is in your life forever forever (laughs) like you just it's so funny and it is because you don't stop being a parent everyone's like 18 years no 18 years they're out clubbing and i'm gonna be following her around making sure she's (laughs) not like you know i don't know doing crazy shit like no kissing boys yeah (laughs) doesn't stop at 18 like you don't just you're like oh not a mum anymore like i'm gonna sleep soundly and like all that kind of stuff so it is forever and also having those open communication channels and like she's young so for us at the moment i mean i said before we live together so we co-live it's a big house but we co-live and it's she's so young like that's it's hard when you're by yourself you know with ollie Mm -hmm. like as she gets older, it'll be easier because she'll do her own thing. But at the moment, she's not a do-her-own-thing child and she never really has been. Like, she might play for, like, 10 minutes by herself, but that's that's about it. Otherwise, she wants our attention. And so to have two of us in the house, it's just easier. Like, it makes sense in that sense. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. I think what's really important and a reason I did want to have you on the podcast is because – it's not remarkable that relationships break down and there's children involved. And a lot of times there are children are involved and there are so many. It is almost more the norm that these relationships turn toxic or bitter. That is what we're used to seeing more than anything. But the reason I wanted to speak to you is because you were handed this potential lemon and you instead just use that as an opportunity to grow and expand your perception of what defines a family 
and embark on this really collaborative approach to co-parenting, which I find just so inspiring and such an incredible example of turning something that could have been really bad or really difficult for all of you into something that is so positive, as you're saying now. Yeah. And I definitely think at the beginning, it was the more difficult option. Mm-hmm. Like, And that I think is a really big thing. So for anyone who's trying to do this, and you would know mm. at the start, it would be so much easier. Like you're just going through a breakup and then you have to see that person mm. every day because mm. you have a child. And like for me, she was only seven months. Like you need that help. And so I think initially it's the hard option because you have to deal with each other head on. You don't get to just hide away and, you know, when you go through a breakup without kids and hide away and not just Never speak to them again. Never speak to them again. Like, it's like you grieve them. And like, I think it's just so important, and you really use your Instagram as a vehicle for this, to showcase these examples of yeah. that it is possible because – I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You know, we're so conditioned to think you break up and you hate each other and you go separate ways. And if there's a kid involved, court is a normal thing and bitter, you know, these kind of really hate-filled drop-offs, that is almost the norm. Why do you think that we've been conditioned to think that's the way forward? I just don't think we choose love. And that sounds so hippie. It's like we are conditioned that there's only one type of love and if it doesn't work, then that's it. You can't have both. Mm -hmm. And I think, and like it's taken a long time for me to get to a place like this, but I don't think that's true. I think you can love multiple people, but you are romantically in love with someone. Like I just think, I don't, I don't know. I think you can transition a relationship from a romantic one into a beautiful friendship. It's like you share so much with this person and they know you in and out and then all of a sudden you're like, all right, I'm going to wipe my hands clean of you and hate you. And And when really, like, I don't know, I guess what I would say we have been conditioned like that because it's easier. People think it's easier and initially it's easier, but then like, how long does that hate sit with you? Mm. Like how many people look back on their exes and are like, oh, I just don't want to think about that. And they lock it in a chamber that's so far down And then sometimes it might come up or they get triggered by something that that person happened and it comes up and it's nasty instead of being like, okay, I'm going to face all of this head on and yeah, it's going to suck for a little bit of time, but then I'm going to be able to see this person, interact with this person, hang out with this person and not feel the hate. Like you just, Mm. it's just gone. I don't know. Mm. Not gone. I mean, you know, it's just transitioned into something, transition into something new. Um, And the example that must set for your daughter as well. How do you want her to look back on her childhood? That's the thing. I mean, from the get-go, so even though I didn't have the idea that it would be like this, I didn't because I'd never seen it. So I didn't know it was a thing. Um, I just thought, you know, people separate. I never wanted to have separate birthdays or anything like that. So I wanted to be really amicable. I wanted to go to parent-teacher interviews together and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't think it could be where we are now, which I can go into further later. But... For her, I was like, okay, I never kind of was like to Charlie, well, you can't see her. Mm. And I think that's a huge thing. I don't think me being the mother as compared to him being the father gives me any right. I mean, I'm talking in a situation where you've got two fit parents. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking to special circumstances. To have more control over her than them. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a big thing. And I never thought that. So I never thought about you know, using her as a pawn Mm. to hurt him or do that kind of stuff. And it kills me when I see that because they didn't decide to be born. They didn't, 
make you have sex and have a baby and birth you and then then all of a sudden you're using them to get what you want like it just doesn't and to hurt people people, Mm -hmm. using them as like bait and a little pawn to move around your chessboard to make yourself feel better like that never sat right with me and never has and I don't think it should with anyone I think it's a bit of a misconception in our society that sometimes that kids can get like it's not I guess I look at it like this so that in our relationship there's me and Rocky there's Charlie and Rocky and there's me and Charlie and they're three separate relationships so him and Rocky's relationship has nothing to do with me Mm. and I unless I'm going to foster it positively otherwise I'd leave it alone and I would expect the same from him unless obviously there's something you need to interact with or them and then him and my relationship so her dad is separate again it has nothing to do with Rocky so we need to sort that out amongst ourselves away from Rocky oh, that does is, that make that sense? is so like, incredible like a triangle yeah. um mm. thing where it's like it's not your relationship to come in and not hurt like play with their relationship like it's not Mm. one parent to a child is a completely different separate thing from your relationship to your child Mm. and yes there are times when you need to intervene and be like hey like I think we could do this better or I think this might be a better way to handle that situation and that can be hard because if someone says that to you you're like as a parent you're like yeah little ego is like how dare you tell me how to parent but when you let that go and you recognize that I think yes there are times when you need to intervene but as a general rule that's what kind of has worked for me like Charlie and Rocky's relationship is their relationship and unless I'm going to foster it in a positive way and be there to help it and support it and watch like I need to back off. Does that make? Oh, absolutely. That makes so much sense. And to give everyone an idea, if they're not, don't follow you, which I really suggest that they do. You guys live together, as you've mentioned. You travel together. You know, you post photos all together as a family. That's what it's, you know, that's that's the reality for you guys. What did What did that early conversation look like when, I just want to take a step back, when he said to you, we can be friends, we can do this, and you were saying, no, I don't see how that's possible. How did you then both come to the table and, like, I guess, pave a way forward? That works for both of you. Um, Well, we lived separately for a while. So we probably lived separately for, like, a year and a half, nearly two years now. Um, We've only just started living together, which is fine. I think you wouldn't be able to do it straight away. So you couldn't go from like so true yeah Yeah. being together to living in the same house like that would be hard because you don't have a space to go and lick your wounds sort through reflect process um but yeah I mean he wanted to be friends and he is from divorced parents so he knew I didn't I'm from parents who were together so I just was like oh it'll just be easy he's like no I don't want it to be like that like I want her to have us and like none of this sounded bad to me so it wasn't like I was hearing it and I was like no, it was more like, but how? Like, how am I going to get to a place? We're not together. want to hang out yeah. with you when, like, you know, we're not together. Like, that's weird. And now it's funny because we've just started a series on Netflix. I mean, watch it every night together. So it's funny. But, like, um, it's funny looking back on that. But I think we just had space and we did. Like, you've got to take time to heal. You've got to take time to work through your stuff. And you have to leave the relationship in the past and that's the hardest thing you can't be like they do something and you're like well remember that time when you did this it's like no separate relationship it's different now you're not together you're not bringing that stuff in maggie wants in oh she can stay out there okay um you can't 
yeah, you can't bring that through. You have to be really, and so you have to go into a, like a level of consciousness where you're assessing your thoughts and stuff. And you're like, okay, why is this triggering me? Why is this upsetting me? How can I work through that by myself without throwing it at them? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So you, you're doing a lot of, you would know, self-work. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, how can I make myself less reactive to him? How can I make myself, you know, more comfortable and sometimes that means yeah you don't go around and stay for dinner you just go and you leave like sometimes that's just the reality of it but it's more about keeping the peace in the initial bit it's just moving through that because time like when it comes to grief I don't know if time helps I've never experienced that but time in this kind of circumstance it does help and just being respectful just being like a decent human like you're not gonna be like oh yeah just went out and got drunk and went home with someone on the weekend no, you're not friends yet. You're not doing that. Like, that's not... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're not going... You're still being respectful. Yes, yeah, so you're not going from zero to 100. You're like, oh, we're friends now, so I can talk to you about this. No, mm. that's... that's. You need to be respectful of the other person's feelings, even if one has moved on quicker than the other. You just have to be respectful. There's mm-hmm. not... Mm-hmm. It just... I think respect is a huge thing. And even now, we respect each other so much. And I think that's what's gotten to us where we are. Like... I think he's awesome and I love him and I think he's funny and like all those kind of things, but I respect him amongst everything else. I respect his privacy and I respect what he does and his thoughts and what he chooses to do. And that is important. Yeah. And, and the trust builds over time. I mean, we're pretty lucky, I think, but like, I trust that he will pick a decent partner. I trust that he'll pick someone who's great with Rocky. I trust that when I'm not with him, or Rocky that they're having a great time and he's being the best parent he can be so I like you've got to put a lot of you got to I guess and I have thought about this a lot it's the loss of control Mm -hmm. you have to be okay with it Mm -hmm. because like as a mum, you kind of want to like cotton wool your child but even just in life Mm -hmm. right you just you're like okay I can't control this situation and you can't you can't control them they're not your partner anymore even though you shouldn't be controlling your partner but Mm. you've lost that aspect and you have to be okay with that and that's the biggest thing letting go of control I think and that feels really unnatural initially as a mum because you're not meant to lose control lose control you're meant to be in control you're meant to have a thing but I think it's also helped me so much in my parenting practice because I'm like some things are just out of my control like Mm. and you just yeah I don't know I don't how to explain it probably better than that but just yeah no that's that's a brilliant summary what advice would you have and you did give a bit of advice then but how to get to and you know people might not get to the point that they're going to live with their partner of course but get to that really amicable place um co-parenting with an ex that may or may not have hurt them how what what advice would you give i think there's like two sets of advice one like kind of to do with the relationship it's like if one of and sometimes I know this sounds really cliche but sometimes people just need to hear it you like you will find someone else I always thought being a single mom like I was like no one's gonna want me and that self-talk like you would know Mm -hmm. that self-talk no one's gonna want me why would someone want me with a kid why would someone want me with a baby not even a kid like she was a baby like why you know oh my God, my body's not what it used to be. Um, I'm still breastfeeding. Like, rah, rah. My first partner after the breakup helped me pump my boobs on the first date. Are like, you serious? Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> like you just, there are people out wow. there that don't care. And like that I think is really important to any woman or man going through a separation now. 
And it can be so quick to latch back onto that person because you're like, no one else is going to want me. But that's not a th- that is not an issue that you're gonna have. Like that's just not a thing. It's so normal these days. And I mean, we were just talking about dating apps before. No one cares when you have a kid. Mm. They just don't care. And if anything, I think it's a bit of an asshole filter. Yeah, or just not the right person no. for you, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. So I think that's important because I think in those early days, I was like, no one else is gonna want me. Mm. Why? Like I can't leave this. No one's mm. gonna want me. And then I think. For us, I was lucky because we didn't, but I think for some people you would stay longer because of that and keep trying to make it work. When I think someone messaged me the other day asking how how I knew, and for me it's a bit different because we knew already that we weren't going to stay together. But I said, take away the kid. Is that the relationship you want? I said, just remove the child from it. Is that the relationship you want to be in for the rest of your life? Because that's – and she was like, oh, my God, that's such a good way of looking at it. But I think people don't think of it like that. They're like, well, no – we are in a relationship with a kid, but the kid is going to be happy with two happy parents, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not parents trying to work it out for the kid like that. Cause that, I mean, I'm sure it works sometimes. I'm not dissing people who choose to do that. And I'm all for getting rid of all the what ifs, right? Cause mm-hmm. there's nothing worse than splitting up and then be like, but what if, mm-hmm. what if we didn't try this and we should. Um, and then second of all, I think with the child, just, I think respect and just, take your space and if you need space so like say you came over and you're you're an ex and we have a kid together and you're in a really bad mood and you say something nasty to me right I can either lose my shit at you and that's just going to make shit so much worse or I can just go you know what it's got nothing to do with me Mm, so true and that's what I've had to learn with my ex as well and then I just Mm. remove myself so it's like okay thanks for the drop off like have a good day I hope you're feeling better because obviously they're not in a good headspace and you don't need to be mean back. You just, you're just rising above all the time. And, and it's not your problem anymore no, though. it's not your problem. Mm. And that is a huge thing. It's like, and I think also it could start like a little chain of anxiety because you're like, oh, did I do something? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean did you do something? It's been like a one minute interaction. You didn't do anything. Mm. They're not in a good headspace. And sometimes you'll be the one not in that good headspace. And so it's just that noticing. And we did that a lot. Noticing when the other person is not in a good place and just letting them be, mm. you know? I've said that to my ex before. He's, I oh know I've just been in grumpy moods and he'll be wanting to speak to me about something. I'm like, I'm just not in the room to speak to you right now. Can we just talk tomorrow? He's like, yep. And he could not put down yeah. that phone any faster. <laughs> yeah. And just like owning that as well, like sending a message if you have a bad interaction. I'm sorry. I'm just in a really yeah. bad mood today. Sorry, something happened at work today. I'm mm. really upset. And I know it's no reason to treat you like that, but I'm sorry I took it out on you. And it's just having that ability to not get on your high horse and be like, well, you shouldn't have rung the doorbell that loudly. Like, And then begins, and I remember very early on where it was quite toxic and bitter, these spiral, these fights oh, that would just absolutely explode. And they're text fights as well because you're not living together. So you're no. having stupid text fights that make no sense because you can't communicate via text because you can't understand what the other person is saying. There's no tone. There's no like... And I'm a very quick texter so I'm getting in a thousand texts to his one. <laughs> and you said like all of them. I don't even send one big text. I'm like 10 little texts. Yeah, just fucking keep going. Yeah, it just... I think, yeah, communication. It's being able to communicate. And like communication doesn't have to be sitting down and having a chat. It can literally be communicating how you're feeling. I'm sorry, I'm not feeling good today. I just can't do this. Or, hey, I really need you to take Rocky. I'm having a really rough day. Mm -hmm. Like you just, it's that. And then that understanding, like, okay, like 
Charlie and I are so good at that. Like I had a shit sleep last night. Can you take Rocky this morning? Or he'll say, I had a shit sleep. Can you just take her out of the house for two hours? And yeah, sometimes I can't be bothered taking her out of the house for two hours, but I do because he's going to feel better and then I'm going to feel better and the house is going to feel better. It just sounds like and everything you're saying, it's just working together as a team and the team might not have been what you planned when you first had the baby, but that doesn't mean it's not a team. And then your child gets to see you working as a team. And that's what I was going to ask. What is the example that this must be setting for her as well? Well, I think it's good. I don't actually think she knows any different yet because mm. she probably doesn't remember when we live separately and mummy's got a room and daddy's got a room and she'll choose who she sleeps with in the evening and then that's kind of it. And like, and we never... I mean, this morning we had a fight over cars, which was quite funny. <laughs> but even that, like, we, I couldn't get my car out because Charlie hadn't parked back far enough and he's always going mad at me for not parking back far enough. So I was like, you haven't parked back far enough. And then he messaged me right when I got here and was like, I'm sorry, you were right. <laughs> I didn't park back far enough. But it's just that. It's like, and then I just sat back like a laughing face and a love heart. But it's that communication. It's like just not willing, not wanting, not, sorry, um, being too stuck up to be like yeah I was wrong so yeah I was being yeah. a dick yeah you triggered me yeah my ego was having a little shit fight so I was an asshole and I'm sorry like it's that it's that I'm human it's so much power in just turning your phone around the other way and doing something else mm-hmm. going cooking yeah. or go for but a how walk. hard is it because if you're like me Ooh. when I want to I'm just like when I'm mad or <laughs> yeah oh god that's a learned heart that took me a long time to yeah. and you know what soon as I learned that the difference between the dynamic between me and my ex was exponential mm-hmm. completely different co-parenting relationship yeah. once I learned to do that to put down that pitchfork and not want to fight Mm-hmm. all the time but I know you know she is used to seeing this I can just imagine one day Rocky is gonna say look back and go oh my parents were such good friends they got on yeah. so well my dad loves my you know loves and cares for my mum so much and that can only have such a positive impact on how she sees herself and her value in the world and her relationship with you both of you and her relationship with men or women whichever you know whatever she yeah. decides to do i can can only imagine the ripple effects that'll have i hope so and like it's funny where i think like she's just gonna be so lucky like she's gonna have a stepmom eventually and hopefully a stepdad <laughs> going the way i'm going maybe not <laughs> but like <laughs> um you know who was so supportive and loving and just like one huge family and step siblings and I know you put up the most beautiful post about that and I was like you are a much better person than me (laughs) I'm just so excited for her to have all those things like and I think that's coming with the loss of control I'm just like you cannot and this is the love thing which I know sounds so hippie but you just can't have enough people to love a child and like we used to back back ages ago they were raised by so many people and that was how it worked like villages like mum couldn't do it okay someone else breastfed your child like which sounds really gross to us now but that's just because where we're at but like that was how it worked and so I'm kind of excited that this separation and all of it has led to a place where I think it's going to be much more of a village raising Rocky and my future children like I have no doubt that if Charlie has future kids I will offer to babysit go on a date night like yeah I love babies I'll sniff its head as long as I don't have one of my own and then you never go over again (laughs) just throw them in a pit together like go be half siblings you'll be fine like I think 
I don't know. I'm excited for that community that I think Western society has just lost. And I think this has given us this rare opportunity. Like, and you don't have to be living together to do this. It doesn't have to be like some weird commune where you're all like on the same land and although it would be kind of awesome, but <laughs> you're all breastfeeding. Yeah, you're all breastfeeding each other's kids. Um, just on the leaf pads. Um, but I think like just, just having other people to help, it's just opened that whole thing. Like, to have other people and you know I have Charlie's family they're at my house without Charlie all the time and they're amazing and they're playing with Rocky and I will message them and be like I need some help or vice versa like there's no and I think that is such a beautiful thing too because from my straighty 180 family it's just showed them this total other side that it doesn't have to be so straight down the middle and you know it's just I don't know families come in all shapes yeah, and sizes it's all shapes yeah. and sizes and it's all for Rocky and I just think that's so cool and for me it's so I don't know it's nice having Charlie's family drop around every now and then mm. other people to talk to I mean you know sometimes I'm at home by myself for like five days <laughs> um <laughs> yeah but I, I agree I love having yeah my ex's family yeah, come around and hang out just, yeah like I don't know I think we're so quick to just I don't know. Wipe our hands of the past. Wipe our hands yeah. of the past and get rid of it instead of working through it and making it and transition. I keep using the word transition because I can't think of another word. No, it's I like think that's a perfect transitioning word. Transitioning it into something else. Like yeah. things don't just have to end like lock and key gone. And yeah, I think, I don't know. I just think it's such a, it is like, it's still a bit of a rare way. Like when I say, and obviously living together is rare. And I would, and I think, both of us being single at the moment and not having a long-term partner has influenced that. I don't, I would never ask, I would ask a lot of things of a partner, but I would never ask them to live with all of us. Like I just don't, that, especially off the bat, like that's a bit harsh. So that's not on your Bumble profile. Look, it's not. <laughs> it's not. Hey guys, just, you'd have to be fine living with my ex and my child and my dog, if you're cool with that. Um, swipe right. Swipe right. <laughs> or super swipe me, whatever you like. Um, but you're like, it's so weird. No one's swiping on me. <laughs> I feel like my, my thing's gone real down, my, my percentages. Um, anyway, I don't think you have to do it to that extent, but I do recommend to anyone going through separation or having friends going through a separation to just look at this option. It doesn't have to be this extent is just an option and it's a better option than holding on to the past, hating your ex all the time, hating them on drop off and pick up, being annoyed that they're five minutes late. Like life happens and it's just coming from this respect of being two humans that respect each other. You've got a child together. You have to be together in some form of way for the rest of your life. So why not make it so much easier and nicer and full of love and respect and trust than like hate and anger why choose i've got a yeah and a friend of mine actually told me a story a little while ago then i think it'll make you upset because it did me that his parents weren't together anymore and he used to start when it got about half an hour before transition drop off time he'd start getting sick in his tummy because he just knew it was going to not even if they'd yell at each other but it was just going to have tension and i remember when he told me that and i was like oh my gosh i never want ollie to experience that pick up on everything Mm. and i don't think we realize that like and also up until their seven year old seven years i think it is their little brains are still developing they're taking in everything that we're literally like just setting them up for life so if all they hear is anger and frustration and you are speaking badly and this is a huge thing never once have I spoken badly and you probably said about Mm. Charlie to Rocky because that is not okay like Mm. that just a blanket rule like you don't 
bitch about the other parent. You don't, it doesn't matter how old your kid is. It doesn't matter whether they're 17 and you're separating. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You don't say, oh, your dad's such a dick. He did this. Rah, rah, rah. No. Like, and, and that's nothing back, to do with your kid. No, and that goes back to the triangle relationship mm-hmm. I said. That's between the mum and the dad. That has nothing to do with the child and that needs to be left alone. And you're negatively influencing that other parents because then, you know, they have to pick a side and then they have to choose which parent to trust more. Well, I don't know who to trust is mum telling the truth or dad and then it just no it's just so hard like it makes me so sad you should I don't know what's next for you I know you're doing your teaching masters in teaching but you should write a book a parenting co-parenting book you really 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 should (laughs) I've always wanted to write a book because I love writing but you're a really good writer I really really uh, and you can tell by all the reallys I've said think you should do it yes the really closed eyes like you should do it <laughs> maybe we'll see I don't know it seems like a lot of work <laughs> it's a lot you can imagine it, it. it's like a lot but it's a lot of words you just help so many people with that and I love also to finish with this question with all my guests I'm sure you can everyone can p- picture one moment that was the hardest or really challenging difficult day for whatever reason and when you just think, you know, maybe motherhood's that, that newborn stage is never going to end and it all just is feeling really overwhelming. What would the Ellie now with this incredible wisdom and this incredible, these incredible life lessons and things that you've learned tell that Ellie? Um, in a non-cliche way, like it'll pass. But I use that in everything. Like recently I was saying that I'd ended something with someone and that like that initial pain, like it wasn't a very long thing or anything. But you're just like, it'll pass. It's going to go. Like things come and go and pain comes and goes and happiness come and go. Like it all comes and goes. And I think in the middle, like, you know, you're sitting in the middle of the night, the child won't sleep. Just being able to know that this moment is not forever and it will pass and it will get better is a really powerful thing Mm. to be able to tell yourself. You're like, okay, it's just today. I will sleep at some point in the future. I will have a shower like just those kind of things um yeah and also maybe just be gentle on yourself mm. like I used to be so stressed when Rocky wouldn't sleep and then I felt like I had to do stuff during the day like you don't mm. you can just your kids like if they're like six months I don't do anything you can just put them on the ground with some toys and lie down and yes. like you can't like it, do you know what I mean but you think I think we hold ourselves to such a high expectations from society you can just chill out there are days when I'm like Rocky having a jama day and you just that's it so i think yeah but it shall pass is a good one and i only heard it when i became a mum. you would have heard it too but it's such a good thing for everything in life like it's gonna pass and it's gonna be fine and time keeps moving i'm gonna get to stop it so it's gonna pass if that makes sense love that it was a pleasure having you on thank you so much thank you thank you now we've got kinder pickups what the hell what the hell how do we become kinder mums anyway thank you so much darling Thanks so much to the incredible Ellie for this chat. You can follow her at Ellie Lemons and I highly suggest you do. As always, you can find me at Elizabeth O'Neill. If you enjoyed this chat, I'd be so appreciative if you could screenshot it and upload it to your stories. And even better, if you can hit subscribe, five stars and leave a review, it'll help other people find this podcast who perhaps really need it. Thanks so much, guys. Chat soon. Bye.
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.